Good morning, Lansing. It's Saturday, it's 9 a.m., and the pet experts are in the building. This is the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show on 1320 WILS and 1320WILS.com. Now, here are your hosts, Rick Pruce and Lee Cohen. Welcome, pet keepers, to this week's MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show. I'm your host, Lee Cohen, here with my co-host, the pet expert himself, Mr. Rick Pruce. Good morning, Rick. Good morning, Lee. Do you have your nature pants on today? I really do, Rick. You want to be Mr. Green Jeans? I really do. And it's really funny because it's not really who I usually am. But I will say that with the weather, with the things going on in nature we've been dealing with this week for people in 13 states in this country, they're under alerts because of the smoke coming down from the fires taking place in Canada. But what also intrigued me this week about nature, and uh, I, I just I couldn't resist wanting to talk about it, was the discovery this past Monday of the biggest hawk in North America that typically never, ever comes really east of the Mississippi River. And this one got hurt in eastern Canada, they rehabilitated it, and they tagged it. And now you've got birders all over the eastern United States who are trying to catch up with this hawk and see what it does when it's outside of its territory. And it just so happens that this hawk was sighted in Michigan this Monday outside of Grand Rapids, and uh, it's unbelievable. It's a gorgeous bird. And I, I'm just curious to see what they'll do with it. And it's just fascinating to me, the things in nature that most of us are oblivious well, to. Well, and also, um, you know, you take a snow snowball, snowball and you shake it up and everything has to settle back out again. Yeah. Well, you know, in this situation, you know, nature, um, it had it all figured out before we came along, Right. right? And, and now we're a part of that equation. And so there's a hawk that's out of its elements. On the upside, we were able to rehabilitate him. Right. right? Her. And her. Yeah. Yeah. Pardon me, That's ma'am. okay. Um, and now they can kind of figure out in situations like this, you know, what happens when you do rescue an animal like that and then you put it back in the wild? How well does it adapt back in? Does it go back to where it, it came from? Does it explore new neighborhoods? Does it ever, you know, find a mate? So right. the good news is they can track this and we can figure out what's going on and we can kind of figure out, you know, this this little lady. Let's see what happens. Well, it's amazing because when you do think about migration and birds, they do seem to be so zoned in yeah. on where they're going. Yeah. And I mean, these are birds that travel thousands and thousands of miles every year mm. and figure out where they're going. And for someone to get lost, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's it's quite the deviation. Well, one thing that's interesting, and um, I'm not surprised, and yet I take a note uh, of the popularity of it, we, we, we got into the store these uh, uh, bracelets that you can buy. But in buying the bracelet, you also get to track an animal, and it will, might be a shark. It might be, uh, I'm not sure what all animals there are, but there's a number of natu- uh, wild animals 
that have tracking devices. And if you buy a bracelet, you essentially adopt an animal. Right. And anywhere around the world, you can actually observe that. And I think what's really good about today's show is that um, it it goes to the point we need to know that people need to know about nature and they need to continue the enthusiasm for that. So we need to teach our children about nature and and what better way to do that than to get a nature center on right. on our show right. and, and we can talk all about that. But if you have a child that is think, thinking about nature, if you're thinking about nature and how are you going to get your child involved in nature, today's show is that show for you. Right. Well, we are going to talk first with a wildlife rehabilitator. It's Cheryl Connell Marsh from the Nottingham Nature Nook in East Lansing. And she's having a very, very tough time because there are so many animals that are needing rehabilitation. And she's, you know what a fighter she is. She's hey, taking if, it on. If you have a 16-year-old daughter or son and they want something to do, this is the place they need to go. Absolutely. Uh, and we'll talk with Cheryl all about that. And then we've got on Katie Adams from the Harris Nature Center in Okemos to talk about all the things that are going on out at the Nature Center. So, folks, we're, we're going back to nature this week in terms of appreciating it and trying to pass it on to a next generation in a form that we might recognize. <laughs> uh, and that's what we're going to talk about this week on the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show. Welcome back to the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show on 1320 WILS. We're back here with the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show. And Rick, we have with us on the line a returning guest who's been with us over the years quite a few times. But Rick, there's always a need to talk to her. It's Cheryl Connell Marsh, who is the owner of the Nottingham Nature Nook, which is located in East Lansing. And welcome back to the show, Cheryl. Thank you. It's so nice to be back with you, Lee. Oh, it's our pleasure to have you. For people who don't know you, when you describe someone as a a naturalist for the county, that can have a lot of meaning for a lot of people. <laughs> but why don't you explain to them exactly what, as the naturalist for the county, what you do for them? Um, so what I am is a licensed wildlife rehabilitator. And I'm licensed under the Department of Natural Resources. And I cover primarily Clinton and Ingham County. Um, but because I rehabilitate foxes and fawns and songbirds, it, it spreads out to, to many times 10 to 12 counties surrounding um, because there's, there's just so many limited people out there that can do the work. So when people find either injured or um, baby wildlife. They call me and bring it to me. They also call me for advice. We probably take um, anywhere from, I'd say right now, 100 to 150 calls a day with people looking for advice with wildlife. You know, it's so interesting because we've done this for a lot of years and it's kind of maybe to a greater extent, but it's the same story. I mean, one of those things that I always think about is that your demand for you and what you do there keeps growing and growing, but the ability to vent that out anywhere else doesn't. It seems as if it's a difficult field to sustain. You figured out a 
way of sustaining it and probably knowing you. It's just out of sweat equity. <laughs> and, um, and and just tell us about that because, I mean, how long has it been? It's been, you know, maybe eight, maybe, I don't know, seven, eight years for us uh, chatting with you. And then there's all these, you know, <laughs> the tail on this animal. All, all, before our show started, you've been doing this. So tell us a little bit about the predicament that uh, we are as a society in regards to rescues and rescues of wildlife. I think that what I'm seeing, because I'm also a wildlife biologist, um, have that my degree in that, what I'm seeing predominantly is that, you know, man, people are moving out into um, the habitats that were once dominated by wildlife. And so every suburban neighborhood now has wildlife in it. And it has not really had people prepare for what to do to interact with the wildlife. Um, they don't know how to deal with animals and to coexist with animals. They don't know um, just basic things like the old wives' tale that you can't touch a baby bird because the mom won't come back to it. You can. Um, you can't touch baby squirrel. You can. You can't touch baby fawn. You can. Um, so people a lot of times don't step in because of old wives' tales that they don't know. A lot of times even though I've been in the community for a very long time and a lot of people know me, um, people unfortunately go to the Internet and get misinformation on what to do um, because everybody thinks, you know, Google knows everything. It, it doesn't necessarily know everything. Um, so the, the biggest predicament I see for wildlife is just a lack of knowledge and, and a lack of of learning how to coexist with them. Um, so many people just want to know how to get rid of them. They call me and say, how can I get rid of this? And I explain to them, in two to three weeks, these babies are going to be raised, and, and you're going to be rid of them. Um, they're going to move on. They don't want to stay where they are in close proximity to humans. They're only doing it because they have babies in their den or their nest. Just give them a little bit of time. Um, that's something that's hard in our society to give anything time. Um, and so it's not only that I'm seeing more wildlife, but I think I'm seeing more wildlife just because the wildlife has nowhere else to go except right in close proximity to people. When people call and they ask, where can I go? I've got this injured animal or animal that they're trying to figure out how to keep alive. And I go to the resources we have at the store on individuals to call that can actually do this. My, um, Rolodex has one card sticking yeah, out of it. Yeah, it's a short list. <laughs> so, so why why is it that I only have one card in my Rolodex? Okay, so so he, here's here's my life beginning in April, and I you know I have my full time um, horse business too, but I'm I'm usually up by five a.m. and by six a.m. I'm starting to feed wildlife, and I feed it all through the day, except when I'm teaching riding lessons or feeding my horses. And right now I have so much wildlife that I am feeding wildlife until 2 in the morning. And so if I get four or five hours of sleep in a night, it's great. My husband goes and gets my meals for me and brings my meals to me um, while I'm doing wildlife because he's a fabulous man and we've been married a very long time. <laughs> um, but, it, but unless you have the passion for this, you couldn't do it. And I know enough, too, that I say to myself, okay, you need to just go outside for five minutes, and I have a baby mink right now, and sit and let the baby mink play in the grass, and watch that baby mink, and come back to terms with why you're doing this, and 
bring some joy into your day so that you're not just nonstop taking care of these animals. You're taking the time to enjoy them. But it's a nonstop job. You have to feel passion for it. Honestly, I feel like the more people I meet, the less people I feel that have passion. Um, I think passion is something for some reason that's kind of dying in our society. Mm -hmm. And I'm finding it even in the volunteers and in the interns. The passion that used to be there with a lot of them, it just isn't there anymore. They like it, but but they only like it so much. Uh-huh, <laughs> you know uh-huh. what I mean? Um, sure. And, so, so between and two and four, gonna... they're passionate. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's and it's a, it's it can be a very thankless job. I got I got a really really um, rude text the other day from someone telling me because I hadn't returned their text in two hours um, that they didn't know how I was able to maintain my job because I did such a poor job at it. And that because of me, that bird had died. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so I I get it. You know, um, I guess sitting here in a radio station that's reaching out to the general public, you know, I'd like the listeners to maybe, you know, I guess to some small extent, prove you wrong. So anybody that's listening there, just know that 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 if you have the passion know that there's avenues to take and certainly giving you a call would be a step in the right direction because because we need what you do we want what you do and we appreciate with what what you do so 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 onward to the conversation here um tell us about this year um it sounds like um as they say a bumper crop um <laughs> what's going on out there and it sounds like there's a lot of uh a lot of animals that need rescue a lot of animals that need rescue. Um, I'm kind of rethinking things a little bit this year. A lot of times people will say, I found a, a baby right now, especially a baby raccoon. So then you just turn around and you go, call this rehabber. I don't do raccoons. Now what I'm saying to people is I'm stopping and I'm saying, what's this baby raccoon doing? Is this baby raccoon in your yard? Well, yeah. So it, does it seem okay? Well, yeah, but it's, it's in the daylight in my yard. And then I can say to them, you know, this is the age where these baby raccoons are exploring on their own. And mother raccoons are horrible mothers. They let their kids play in the street. They don't care. <laughs> but if you will leave that baby raccoon alone, I, you know, a lot of times they're going to get reunited at night. Mom won't come out looking for them in the middle of the day. So I think we need to help to educate people instead of just sending them to a rehabber that are going to have even more work. Stop and think and go, what can I do to teach these people? Maybe this baby doesn't need rescuing right now. Um, and so really trying hard to re-educate people for how, how to work with wildlife. And people, and people want to learn. Um, they want to do it the right way. Um, so I feel like I've had a very good response from anyone that I've talked to trying to teach them different things and how to interact with the wildlife. Now, Cheryl, with all of the animals that have come in this year, what have you had to do to accommodate them? Because all types of animals don't require necessarily the same types of containment or treatment or what have you. So how has this impacted on how you had been doing things? Um, This year in particular, um, another very good wildlife rehab center, um, in Eaton Rapids, they they started to cut back in what they were doing. And so one of the things they cut back in was baby squirrels. So essentially what that did to me was it doubled the amount of baby squirrels that I took in this year. And so um, baby squirrels require formula. And you saw me 
feeding them like, when you, yeah, when I, you I first met. Yeah, um, you have to feed them by hand, which is horribly time consuming. You also have to have people who are good and know how to do it, so they're not going to aspirate those babies. And then once they get older, then they have to transition into foods. And so that's why I did my post um, asking for donations because now we're feeding those baby squirrels fresh fruit and vegetables every day so that they can move on and, and eventually be released. But right now I'm looking at 92 baby squirrels that I'm, that I'm doing that for. And so my produce bill every week um, was about $200 a, a week, and it was just killing me. So then I put that out there, had a really good response from people. Um, people just dropped off produce almost through the day yesterday. It was phenomenal. Wow, that's that's really great. What yeah. about though the the building things that you have to do? I think I remembered reading that because of the foxes that you were needing additional enclosures and what have you. Because I can't right. imagine that they're always so kind to some of the other animals who you might have there. Right, and what we did essentially this year was we built two very large um, indoor enclosures for our fox kits. And we moved them um, into my horse barn, above my horse barn, um, because we had an apartment up there that wasn't being used. And so we <laughs> turned the whole apartment into kind of the fox den. So that was, you know, the, the initial cost of that just to, to build it was around $4,000 for that. Um, but now it's a much better setup because the foxes are completely separate from everything else. You don't have predators and prey living in the same same house together, which is really good. Um, and now, actually, this week we moved four out of our six outside, so they're in an outdoor enclosure. But those animals eat a ton of meat every day, so we're feeding them cut-up chicken, we're feeding them um, frozen mice that we saw, and, and they even eat vegetables, too. So the amount of food that we're feeding those on a daily basis. Um, and again, I'm the only wildlife rehabber that does foxes in probably eight to ten counties. Well, so Cheryl, I guess I have to ask the question, how do you go about raising funds for this? And if people wanted to volunteer, whether it was funds, whether it's time to assist with some of the work that you're doing, or even to help you build things, if they happen to be a handy person who has time on their hands, how can people help you who are interested? Because I agree with Rick, there have to be some good people out there who want to assist these animals and you. Um, so probably um, I, I have a website where they can get on um, that has my contact information. Um, again, people have to be patient because, like I said, um, we have both the, the um, our main line and then I have my cell phone that I use too, but it's also my private cell, so there's all kinds of calls coming in there. Those are probably the best way to contact me. Um, even though I make posts on Facebook and Instagram, I honestly do not get on there often enough to check messages. So that is not a good way to get a hold of me. Um, honestly, at this point, by phone is, is the best way to get a hold of me um, or email. And that's my email address is also on my website and on my um, Facebook page. But it's just the website is NottinghamNatureNook.com. And um, my email is just Nottingham and then E as an elephant, C as in cat at gmail.com. 
and those I check my my emails every day. Okay, we've only got about thirty seconds left, but if you could explain what are the kinds of work that people could help you with that might be available at this point, at this point in time, Lee, the the biggest thing that would help us don't laugh is doing laundry. We do probably twenty loads of laundry a day, so to try to feed all the wildlife and do laundry is really tough. <laughs> um, cutting up and preparing all the food that we feed would be a big help. Um, helping us clean the outdoor enclosures would be a big help. So it's not necessarily the direct hands-on experience with animals, but working with the animals and where we keep them and what they need is what we really need help with. Well, and for people who are wondering, uh, this is not far away. The, the Nook is located in East Lansing, not even a mile away from Lake Lansing Road and Abbott Road. I mean, it's it's not a, a crazy far away location. So, Cheryl, thank you so much for all of the help you've provided, and we appreciate what you do. Oh, thank you so much, Leanne. Thank you, Rick. You bet. Our pleasure. And Rick, after the break, we'll continue the conversation about what's going on out in the natural world right here on 1320 WILS. Two legs, good. Four legs, better. Any more or less than that, it's a party. It's the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show on 1320 WILS. I am the little red rooster. Two legs. It's 9.35, and we're back here with the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show. And, Rick, we have with us on the line a returning guest. It's Katie Adams, who works with the Harris Nature Center and is Park and Land Preservation Superintendent. Wow, what an important title. Uh, Katie, tell us what you do out at the Harris Nature Center. Sure. So my responsibilities at the Harris Nature Center are to oversee the operations, so a lot of the background work, like the licensing and, um, you know, just getting things scheduled and getting staff in here and those kinds of things. So just overall um, overseeing everything here. And then my other umbrella with, the, with that title is um, overseeing all the maintenance of all the parks, which includes the maintenance here at the Nature Center as well. So that means we will catch you uh, in the middle of a, of a lake or a swamp or anything else uh, <laughs> as we have in the past? Sure, yeah. <laughs> I like to think I do just about anything. <laughs> okay, I just wanted to make sure. Well, let's, uh, let's talk, Katie. Uh, the reason we wanted to have you on is because we finally have reached a period where outdoors, in spite of, unfortunately, uh, some haze in the air that we've been experiencing this week, but as a general rule, it's gotten nice outside and it's forgotten to rain, but at the same time, time it sure is beautiful outside so i imagine things at harris are rocking yeah we um we have some programs going on um this this summer and um you know people are out in the parks enjoying it especially with these cooler temperatures have been kind of kind of nice for for getting outside um the mosquitoes have with with the drought unfortunately comes the benefit of a lot less mosquitoes so people can really enjoy their time out here well, it's, it's funny you say that because that was a thought on my mind last evening because I'm like, I don't know what it is about me, but as soon as they really get out there, I want to go inside. And yeah. I kept waiting last night. I'm like, where are they? It's getting dark <laughs> out. It's the time of night. Where are they? And there just don't seem to be very many. 
No, they uh, they don't like the 90-degree weather, and they don't like dry weather. So we've kind of benefited from those those two things, I guess. Yeah, so we had plenty of them in May, and now yeah. now they're dying back. So, so. Grab, you know, grab nature while you can. Absolutely. Right? <laughs> hey, uh, talking about grabbing nature, uh, I think for anyone listening in, uh, we know of Harris Nature Center. You know of Harris Nature Center, and you would think most everybody knows of Harris Nature Center. But could you tell people where you're located and a little bit about the facility and what, what they would expect and why they would want to come out there? Absolutely. Yeah. So the Nature Center has been around for 25 years, which is actually still fairly new for a Nature Center. So we still get plenty of people that have not discovered us yet. We are in Okemos on Vanatta Road. The address is 3998 Vanatta Road in Okemos. And it's, it's one mile um, from Grand River and one mile from Jolly. So we're like right in between on the road there. We sit on the banks of the Red Cedar River. So that's a huge part of our park here. Um, and we have a building full of really cool resident wildlife. Um, everything that we have here is native to Michigan. So lots of reptiles, amphibians. We even have some birds like our red-tailed hawks and a crow, screech owl, a lot of cool things to come and see. And the park itself has trails and a play area for the kids. Um, the river's here so people can canoe and kayak from our location down the Red Cedar River. Um, just a lot of things to do. The the building has limited hours, but the park itself, the outside, is open from dawn until dusk every day of the week. And I, and I think for people to appreciate where you're located, because you could, you know, you're in Okemos, right? And mm-hmm. anytime we go through Okemos, we see malls and we see 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 houses and 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 uh, communities, which is fine. That's what Okemos is. But there seems to be kind of a natural um, prevention of everything moving in on you. You have a park just to the west of you as well. Talk a little bit about that. Yes. Yeah. So the Nature Center sits in the middle of a larger park called Meridian Riverfront Park. So connected to us um, on the east side is Eastgate Park. And then on the west side of the road is Leg Park. So with all three of those sections combined, it's 206 acres of wooded beautiful river habitat and meadows, um, lots of different types of trees and plants here. And it really does make you feel like you're not in a setting like the city of Okemos or anything like that. You know, you feel like you're up north. Even just the drive down Van Atta Road is very wooded. Yeah. So it's a beautiful drive to the park. Yeah, kind of one of those long-established neighborhoods, so they're not doing any major development, and everybody yeah. that has a front yard is pretty well, you know, grown in. And I always yep. love between Cornell and Venetta. Those are two roads in the middle of Okemos that you can drive by and think that you're in a natural beauty area. Absolutely. You know? yes. Absolutely. Now, Katie, I have a question for you regarding, uh, you mentioned the other parks that were there. It occurs to me that in previous years when we've talked with you, some of those parks were hard to navigate because the water was so high that <laughs> you were you were almost needing to uh, wear something to keep you dry, like a scuba suit or something. <laughs> and yet now I would imagine that it's unbelievably navigable and frankly probably great for all the birders and the other people who are wanting to take advantage of that natural space. 
Yes, this year especially is a good time to walk any of these trails. You know, between those all three sections, you can walk six-plus miles if you were to walk every trail. So there's a lot of options, and a lot of them run right next to the river, which is why if we have a lot of rain in the spring, they end up being underwater and you cannot cross any of them. But now we don't have any that are underwater. So it's the perfect time to come explore all those trails that are really close to the water, get to see the river, the ducks, the geese, you know, all the warblers and things that are that are navigating through here that love being on the water's edge. This is It's a great time this year to go ahead and do that. And this is uh, what I remember 25 years ago is it was somebody that had a house that uh, left to the township, I would imagine, and this house has been converted into an actual nature center uh, kind of describe the facility that you're in and uh, what people will see when they get there. Sure. Yeah, um, yep, so it was a home um, on um, 40 acres, so the Nature Center section is 40 acres. It was a horse farm and a Christmas tree farm. Hmm. So, and over time, you know, all of that, of course, has transformed. But the building itself, they did a lot of remodeling back in 1996, uh, we opened in 1997, and part of the remodeling was to take, let's say, the living room that had the fireplace. We couldn't take out the chimney, so instead we enclosed it in a circular display, and they made the the walls circular as well. So when you walk in, there's like this natural circular flow around the building um, where you see all of the exhibits that we have, including some that are live animals, others that are not, um, just different exhibits. Um, one of the rooms that used to be a bedroom is now a classroom and also where we keep our observation beehive so people can come in and see the bees working and, and coming in and out of the building. Um, and so that's really cool, too. And then you go into this area that we call our animal room. It's where most of our animals are. And they took out the wall and put in a wall of windows instead. So you can come in and you can watch the birds at the bird feeders or just sit and, you know, stare out the windows and enjoy whoever visits the bird feeders. <laughs> and you also have another facility or a building a uh, little bit to the east uh, that you put up. Uh, can you describe that? <laughs> oh, we have, um, so we have a pavilion here now. We have outdoor restrooms. And then we have two different um, observation decks. Um, one that we call our overlook deck because it overlooks the river. So you can sit out there on the deck and just enjoy the river and the woods. Um, and then just a couple years ago, we put in one along the trail system that also has like commercial grade binoculars so you can watch the birds from that observation deck out in the, in the meadow. But yes, the pavilion is here so people can get out of the elements or enjoy a picnic lunch. Um, you can rent the pavilion so you can, you know, if you have a open house or a birthday party or just want to gather with friends, it's a great place to do that, too. And if the building's closed, we now have outdoor restrooms, so there's no concerns there. What a, what a facility. I've, I've, we've had the opportunity of, uh, you know, being involved at the very beginning and watching it over the years develop. It is something else. Uh, I uh, As the uh, pet store owner, I think it's worthy to mention that you are dog-friendly. Uh, talk <laughs> oh, a little bit absolutely. about being dog-friendly and what that actually yes. means. Yeah, so we consider all of our trails here multi-use, and one of those uses is you can bring your dog out here to go for a walk. Um, of course, we follow the Ingham County Ordinance of having your dog on a leash, but it's nice. It's a great place to walk your dog because there's 
so many miles of trails. So if if you have an older dog that can't quite go as far, we have short loops. And if you have a dog that has so much energy you need to walk all six miles, you can totally do that. <laughs> um, and so it's amazing. And, you know, you may even encounter a horse. People can can horseback ride out here as well um, and ride bikes. And there's just so many things you can do as long as it's non-motorized. But, yeah, we love it when the dogs come out here. We've even incorporated dogs into several of our events. <laughs> well, it, it sounds it sounds fantastic. Katie, we need to take a quick break. But when we come back from the break, I'd like to talk with you about uh, your summer camps coming up as well as uh, some of the bee events that you've got taking place. We're talking with Katie Adams from the Harris Nature Center, and we'll be back right here. Here on 1320 WILS. It's the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show on 1320 WILS. Here are your hosts, Rick Pruce, a man possessing unparalleled animal care expertise, and Lee Cohen, who's also here. We're back here with the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show, and we've been speaking this morning with Katie Adams from the Harris Nature Center. And Katie, we were talking before the break about all the things that you would see if you went out to Harris Nature Center. Now, some people are actually looking forward, I would imagine, to seeing the Harris Nature Center regularly this summer because you guys do summer camps. And when you've got kids, it's a great place for them to go and they might actually see what nature looks like not on a screen and that sounds like a a gift to me yeah that's a a big goal of ours Um, (laughs) we do eight weeks of summer camp here and it all starts june 20th and goes to the early part of august Uh, we have a lot of different options for people too depending on your schedule so we have camps that are only one day we have camps that are two days and we have camps that are four days long just so people have that flexibility in case they only, you know, they only have time for a one day or they want to be here longer. And you can come to as many of those sessions as you want to. Well, how does that work exactly? Where do people go to get information about the summer camps and how do they register? What age uh, do their kids have to be? I mean, how does all that work specifically? Absolutely. Yeah, so um, we start as young as preschool, so we have a, we have four- and five-year-old camps, and we go all the way up to um, eighth grade. So sixth through eighth graders can do a camp called Counselor and Training where they learn how to be a junior counselor to help us with future camps. Um, everything can be found on our website, which can be as simple as actually just Googling Harris Nature Center. We're almost always the first option that shows up. Um, or you can just type in meridian.mi.us and put a forward slash HNC in there. It'll take you right to our page. And there is a summer day camp link. There's also this big, beautiful green register button, which if you click on that, it'll take you out to our registration site where you'll see the list of all the camps that we have available, um, the ages that they're appropriate for, the time of day that they happen. So everything is out there online. Tell us a little bit about bees this year. Oh, sure. Um, We have, uh, so for years now, we have had this wonderful observation hive that the Michigan Beekeepers Association takes care of for us. So they bring it in in May, um, and then they take it back out in September so they can overwinter the honeybees. Um, But we have this observation hive in here, so we thought, well, why not teach people how they can do this? So those folks at the Michigan Beekeepers Association um, are coming actually... Um, the first 
program is going to be this, this coming Saturday, June 10th, actually, and it's an introduction to beekeeping class. And so people can sign up for that online. It's only $5 to attend, um, and they are going to teach them everything they need to know to get started with being their own beekeeper at home and making their own honey. And they're even going to um, teach them in, by looking at the observation hive how you can tell the difference between the different types of bees that are in there, the queen, the drones, the, you know, and the workers and all those kinds of things. Um, and then later in August, they're going to come back for us and do a program called Fantastic Bees and Facts About Them. So you can just learn a whole lot more about Michigan bee species and introduced bee species like, like the honeybee um, and just learn a lot of things about bees, which I think is important because a lot of people are afraid of bees. So the more we can know about them, the less I think we would have that fear. Yeah, they're definitely the... Um... For, for many, they don't really understand the true heroes that they pro- pl- provide w- us in nature. Uh, right. Is there, would you say, the collective consciousness since you've been doing this and, and even maybe since you were young, do you, is your perception that more and more people at least are gaining an understanding and a respect for this particular creature? I think so. And, and speaking personally for myself, I know as a kid that that was a frightening thing to me. And now I've, I teach my own kids even, like, even if it's a wasp or something, just walk on by. It's not going to do anything to you, um, you know, as long as you don't bother it. It's, it's like any creature, really. If you leave it alone, it'll leave you alone. But I, we have seen a huge difference in, in the kids that are coming to camp even. Um, they get, we bring them in there to look at the observation hive and then they come back later in the summer when they're not here for a camp and they're like, I just want to show my mom the bees, you know, and, and I think that's really cool to, to want to, instead of, you know, well, they still want to see the turtles too, but like to, to say that I want to show you the bees, the bees are cool, you know, and, and they are important and we all know that we, we have to have them if we want to live in the world we live in. Yeah, I was at uh, yoga and uh, uh, a couple that come to yoga were talking about how they were up to like, you know, the the husband was dragging his feet on the whole idea, but uh, if you knew his wife, you'd understand why, but they were up to like 17 um, hives that they were managing and, you know, not so much because they wanted 17 hives, but they wanted to rescue 17 groups of 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 them and uh so it sounds like there's an endless amount of opportunity for people that want to be responsible for bees and it yeah. sounds like your place would be a super place for someone to get involved with and learn about it so that they 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 can be a contributing nature assistant in our society so Absolutely. That sounds yeah. great. That sounds great. Now, Katie, when it comes to dealing with the bees, just for people who don't understand, can you briefly explain why their role is so important? Because in previous years, you've heard stories that it seemed like they were diminishing, and there was even some concern uh, that there maybe not an extinction event, but certainly diminished. And I mean, I love honey, but I know they do a lot more than just <laughs> provide me with really good honey. What is it that was so important in their role in Absolutely. nature? Absolutely. Well, you know, and it's, it's, it, it relates to mosquitoes too, really. Like, so they, so bees, of course, are pollinators, and I think everybody's pretty familiar with that, that concept nowadays. But they, if we don't have, if our flowers and our trees don't get pollinated, they don't produce. 
So for bees that are pollinating, let's say the apple trees, if those bees go away, we're not going to have apples anymore. So it's more than just the honey. They're, when they're pollinating and cross-pollinating plants to keep those plants healthy and those plants are producing other foods for us or foods for animals, that's important. Pollinators are, are huge, and I think for so many years they were overlooked, but I think, I think we get it now. You know, I think we understand that the bees and the butterflies and the hummingbirds and all of those little things that are doing this pollination for us, even by accident, you know, they don't go in with the mindset of I'm going to pollinate this, but they, but they do it. You know, it sticks to them and they move it to the next plant and they're collecting it for them. But then honey too. I mean, with the honeybees, we use honey for so many different kinds of foods and in different ingredients and this and that too. So it's not just straight up honey, but yeah, they're super important. And to tie that in with the mosquitoes, they're also a huge food source. Anything tiny like that is feeding other animals. And it just has a trickle-down effect. You know, if they were to go extinct, anything that was relying on that as a food source is also going to struggle and have problems. So, you know, there's, there's all that connection in nature. If you break one connection, there will be a trickle-down effect, and we will all suffer from that. Interesting. So um, I haven't been out uh, to the place, but you also have – Essentially, uh, uh, lately, within the last year or two, that you have a playground area. Can you share with the audience what what they might see if they bring some young children out there? Sure. Yeah. So we call it our nature exploration area because a lot of a lot of what you see out there as a feature is very different from a regular playground, which is why we don't call it a playground. Fair enough. But in the nature exploration area, the first feature we ever got was this huge six foot tall. Uh, I can't even imagine how wide it is. It's huge. We can fit several kids on top of it, but it's a turtle. And it was built and modeled after the eastern box turtle, which we have five of here, and one of them was our very first animal at the Nature Center. So that's why this colorful turtle, he's built out of concrete and tile and rock from Lake Superior. It's gorgeous, and it's fun to play on and crawl underneath. And then behind the turtle, we have what we call our log jam. So it's basically a series of trees that have looked like they have fallen over and stumps because who doesn't like to go out in the woods and like balance on a log or jump from stump to stump. So that's a lot of fun too. Oh, a- I know you have more out there. Unfortunately, <laughs> yeah. our time has run out. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> but Katie, we want to thank you so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate talking with you. Yeah, thank you for having me. Oh, our pleasure. And, Rick, that's it for this week. On behalf of our producer, Bruce Warner, and Rick Pruce, uh, this is Lee Cohen wishing all of you a great weekend and a great weekend. We'll talk next weekend on the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show. Meantime, will you all please, please take good care of your pets and enjoy the outdoors. Reluctantly crouched at the starting line. Engines pumping and thumping in time. The green light flashes.